Welcome. You are listening to Otherwise, Wisdom from the Other, a variety podcast dedicated to empowering diverse communities living in Treaty 6 territory by sharing stories of their lived experiences. Otherwise is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Hello, my name is Karen Tang and your host for this episode. So a while back, I found out that my friend Sandra is writing a blog about how her family ended up in Alberta. Her blog began from a place of questions about the forces that shaped who she is. I want to share some of those questions because I think it's a migration story not commonly heard, told through the perspective of a second generation immigrant. And don't worry, we're going to get to what that means. And despite the many differences, we can still draw parallels between journeys traveled decades ago and those happening as we speak. In today's show, you'll hear the conversation between Sandra and her mother, but also excerpts from her blog like this one. Oftentimes, migrant families can carry stories of trauma or hurt. A lot of this is hidden from their children for any variety of deeply personal reasons, which can range from an inability to express the depth of the scarring or pain and to concern about passing on this pain to their children. However, not all of it is painful. Many of our aunts, uncles, grandparents, fathers, and mothers have braved horrors, overcome corruption, war, famine, and unparalleled uncertainty to start new lives in unknown, often terrifying places. We second-generation children often take our past for granted and never truly question how things came to be. Who were we before we arrived? How did we come to live here in Canada and what drove us away from our homes in the first place? Okay, so I am here today with my friend Sandra. And Sandra, you told me that you were part of this project mm-hmm. uh, or that you wanted to start this project uh, for your family. And I thought that was really interesting. So want to tell me a little bit more about what that project is? Sure. Um, so I'm a second generation immigrant. Can you That's define it. what that means? Yeah, so um, a first-generation immigrant is somebody who was born outside of Canada, and um, and at one point in their life they were a newcomer, and then a second generation are you're basically the children of an immigrant. You have at least one parent, and then a third-generation immigrant would be like my children. So right. um, you are the children of the children of immigrants my parents and the rest of um, their extended family. We um, fled Vietnam in the uh, late 1980 or late 1970s and we were part of the exodus um, that people know as you know the boat people um, fleeing uh, persecution back in Vietnam and most of those people were um, ethnically Chinese so they called themselves the Hua and growing up as children of immigrants, a lot of the time they don't tell us those stories because they're quite traumatic. And a lot of um, a lot of people want to just move move on. They don't want to bring it up anymore. So as I got older, we realized that we didn't really have that collective knowledge, mm-hmm. and so we wanted to put it all together in one place. So and one day, kind of out of the blue. Oh, you just <laughs> you you were like I'm gonna do this, or you know what kind of slowly inspired you, or what kind mm-hmm. of conversations? Um, so 
when I was growing up, my mom always said, we should write a book about, about my story just because she kind of has a unique background because she, um, and I think that when I interview her, you'll get to really see that she really had a princess upbringing. Like she had her own nanny. She was really considered like a star pupil because she was really athletic, but she was also really good at school. Mm-hmm. So really like she's a princess really. Mm-hmm. Um, Coming from a bit more privileged background. Exactly. And then, um, and so she'd always talk about that because for her, um, it was a little bit more jarring or a bit more of a traumatic experience than say compared to my dad mm-hmm. because she ended up losing both of her parents and almost all of her siblings coming over here. Like she um, lost track, uh, lost contact with her two older sisters and only came here with just her brother. Mm-hmm. But my, whereas my dad's family, they managed to kind of all come together. Well. Um, but in July of last year, um, what really sparked um, the work for me was um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and um, and she's fine now but it really was like well we're really not going to be around forever so mm-hmm. we can't really take for granted the time we have together so I thought sooner is better than later and so you in touch with that and you're getting mm-hmm. you're getting to document it and mm-hmm. to share with the rest of people in your family and that everybody and yeah the, the younger generation get to learn yeah exactly exactly do. like um, a lot of the basic I say basic, but we really take it for granted, like growing up, because um, because we knew we were Chinese, but we had no idea why, like, our parents still spo- also spoke Vietnamese, because hmm. like, we knew that we were from Vietnam, right? Mm. But growing up as a little kid, when you're speaking in a when you're in a household with three languages that are spoken, um, it can get really confusing, especially because. Um, at least my parents never really explicitly said, you know, like, this is a Vietnamese food, so we use Vietnamese words for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm running around as a little kid trying to explain to my Chinese friends what foods are in, like, a different language and not realizing it. So, When you yeah. say three languages, you're talking about Vietnamese. Cantonese. Cantonese. And English, yeah. Oh, you spoke all three. Yeah. And Cantonese is also common among the mm-hmm. Hua people? So, um... We ended up speaking Cantonese because um, when we were, when they, when our parents were in the refugee camps, they were in Hong Kong, and so they had to learn Cantonese. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I'll just back up a little bit. <laughs> when you say they were escaping persecution, can you be a bit more specific? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, with the um, communist regime, what happened was that um, the Hua people tended to be um, middle to upper class merchants and government officials. And so with the communist regime, um, they really, they were really considered those scapegoats. Mm. And so um, in my parents' cases, in my mom's cases, her parents, they were, um, they were actually jailed. My grand, her dad was jailed overnight. And they ended up also trying to seize all of their assets because they had like a really big house and mm-hmm. they were gov- they worked in government and they also owned a factory so they were really well off um, and then in my dad's case um, policemen would come to his door every day and ask when they were leaving so like really like actively being pushed out of the country unfortunately mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. actually I think that draws parallel to I mean, my own family history mm-hmm. on both my parents side what do you hope to accomplish with this blog? Um, well, I actually really hope that 
it becomes like a repository for um, basically our family's memories and um, to be able to share on that history and that story of where we come from before basically people get old and mm-hmm. um, and basically for our children, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so this really meant for your family, um, but you have this blog that's really in the public sphere. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting because it may inspire other uh, people from different cultures of your generation, of the second generation or third generation, mm-hmm. to understand uh, th- maybe their history or to better, you know, learn about their identity. Because I think that's mm-hmm. that can be very confusing and yeah. sometimes shameful. Um, and I think this is a, a good way to kind of inspire people to be really proud of who they are and where they come from. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and even for people who are not necessarily. Um, well, actually, technically, we're all newcomers to Canada, aside from, like, indigenous people, but, like, for anybody who is not part of that, who has not necessarily um, grown up with that, like, culture of being an immigrant, I have no idea how to say it, but um, I think that a lot of people have questions about it and want to know more about it, right? right? And so it's a really nice way to be able to share what some of those stories are, right? Yeah. When we come back, Lan Tuan, Sandra's mother, tells it like how it was after leaving Vietnam in her early teens. But now, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Otherwise is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation, where the award-winning Well Endowed podcast is produced. Episode 35 of the Well Endowed podcast was about senior women, which is the topic of the latest Vital Signs Statistics, which is an annual checkup of the well-being of Edmonton, conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council, where Sandra, whose story you're hearing today, works as a research coordinator. I think the Edmonton Community Foundation does great things for the city, and I am proud to be on the board of this organization. You can subscribe to the Well Endowed Podcast everywhere podcasts can be found, or visit thewellendowedpodcast.com. So um, my mom had a bit of a princess life back in Hanoi. Um, She was born in the early 1960s near central Hanoi. Uh, Lan Tuong was the youngest daughter of a wealthy Chinese family. Her parents owned a cement factory for many years before it was shut down for safety reasons. They lived in a spacious home in the downtown area of the city and her childhood was indulgent and carefree, where she often jumped rope and read her favorite action novels. Each of her five siblings had a personal nanny, and they were all good students, which was a must for any respectable, well-off family. Despite such a comfortable childhood, though, Lan would witness the death of her oldest brother and both of her parents before she reached puberty. Vietnam was, and still is, home to a large population of overseas Chinese who were known as the Hua people. The Hua were mostly comprised of middle to upper class merchants and bureaucrats. While being Chinese meant that Lan and her family did not have to fight in the Vietnam War of 1975, business closures and seizures were not uncommon for the Hua afterwards. Growing tensions with China caused the communist government to view ethnic Chinese as a security threat. Lan's father was also jailed at one point for these reasons. 
Throughout the country, the persecution of the Hua had become unbearable. Many businesses were being seized, and police continuously harassed Hua families to leave. The first exodus of Hua people to China or overseas had already begun in 1978, with Lan and her brother Tun deciding to flee overseas one year later to Hong Kong. The Vietnamese government profited heavily from, being, from the forced exportation of the Hua people by charging exorbitant pork fares. Um, so, when we were growing up, you always said, tears. You always said to us, mm-hmm. "My life is so interesting." And when I tell my friends about it, they say that I should have a book written on me. Mm-hmm. So now that we wrote the blog post, how do you feel about it? Oh, yeah. it actually, it's really interesting. Yeah, that's good. Has anyone else read it? Uh, I don't know, but I did read it. Yeah, yeah. We only followed your life up to. Hong Kong. Up to Hong Kong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When you land, when you uh, mm-hmm. were just leaving. Mm-hmm. So, tell yeah, me about so after. So, when, when we go, we land to Hong Kong, um, I think a few months after that, uh, no, no, just a few, a month after that, they let us out too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do recall it at that time, we even traced a, 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 a 24 gold ring for a box of instant noodle. Oh my God. Yeah, it's such a... Off, but yeah, wow. yeah, and then we went to Guok, and then we learned more Chinese, like right. That's what how we actually learn Cantonese, right? Because in Vietnam you only listen a little bit, but you never talk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, so that's what we learned. So and then we work mm-hmm. in Hong Kong. Right. We stay in Hong Kong for a year. I think a year, yeah, almost a year. year. Yeah, one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we came to Canada. Mm-hmm. Me and Uncle Sam supposed to go to U.S., but we don't want to go to Philippine camp. At that time, everybody go, want to go to U.S. We supposed to go to U.S., right? But Uncle Sam doesn't want to go to um, to um, the Filipino camp. Filipino camp. So we said we want to go to Canada since we know somebody in Canada. Uh-huh. So that's why we, and then that's why we said we knew. Um, Wendy, Wendy Pence, and Peter in Canada. So that's what, I don't know how they know it, but yeah. So that's what they they sent us to Canada. That's where Wendy's parents live in Betty at that time. So why why didn't you want to go to the Filipino camp? I don't know, because I don't know, Uncle Sam doesn't want to go to camp anymore after, you know. Mm, oh, because it would have been another year. Yeah, camping. another year in that camp. We don't want to stay in the camp anymore. Right. That's why we came to Canada. Mm. When you were in the camp, mm-hmm. right, the only person that you had with you from before was your brother. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about what it was like to be in the camp. Actually, in the camp, it was really fun at that time because you teenager, yeah. Like you come from really poor country, and you come here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, come to Hong Kong. You mm-hmm. know, Hong, Hong Kong so fascinating. And then they let you go out and work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So and then they even feed you at the camp too, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So you work, you make money, and then you just spend. So you really fun too. Right. Yeah. 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 Nothing you worry. What? What? Like, you know, I only have my brother, right? right. So, so, yeah. So, the only thing that's really interesting is when I work at that in Hong Kong, yeah. it's somehow 
one of the guy I work there, like he's way older than me at that time, right? He helped me locate my sister in China. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I, I found my sister in China. Did you get to see her? No, we never see her until I see you see her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So almost 30, 30 years, years later. Yeah, after wow. we laid it. Yeah. Thinking about your family in the mm-hmm. context of Alberta, of the city, mm-hmm. why did they come to Alberta? Right, okay. So, um, back in the day, we'll zoom back to the early 1980s. Um, we start. We landed in Toronto, right? And um, actually, one of the things I really wanted to wanted to write a blog about later is my parents. Like, they have like this really, really romantic love story where my mom was like in Red Deer or something, and then my dad was in Toronto, and then they met here. Realized that they knew each other kind of when they, they met here in Edmonton. Yeah, they met here in Toronto. They okay. met in Toronto. Right. And then, but back in Hanoi, mm-hmm. even though they were such like a dis, like they were a different social class, mm-hmm. but they still knew of each other, and they actually still went to the same to a similar school. But you know, my mom was super popular, and my dad was just not, mm-hmm. and so he like knew her, but she didn't know him. Mm-hmm. And so when they met here in Toronto, my dad started pursuing her, even though she moved out to Red Deer. And so every time he had time off of work, he would take the bus for four days to see her. Right. And so. So that's kind of neat because mm-hmm. back home, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back in Vietnam, there's all these social strata that kind of mm-hmm. keep people apart. Yeah. Um, whereas coming to Canada, everyone's a refugee. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. That is your your one social class. Exactly, you right. people closer. Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, long story short, my parents and a lot of my other aunts and uncles, they um, looked for work everywhere. They looked for work in Toronto, they moved out to Vancouver, couldn't find work there, and then they ended up landing in Alberta just because mm. there were more jobs at the time. So. Yeah, and then a few months later I met, and then your dad. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. That's how your dad looking for for me, and that's how we met dad. Mm-hmm. That's how I met dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you glad we came over here? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Why? Yeah. I don't know because we, at that time we're young. Yeah. And we don't know actually. We don't even know when we leave Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Right. So we don't have no idea how Canada. We don't read like we now, right? But mm-hmm. before, we just. Since we leave, and we're really exciting, we leave, but we don't have a, no clue where we go. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you got a, if give you back a chance to do like that, I don't think we will, because like, sitting in the boat on the sea is scary, mm-hmm. right? At that time, you don't scare, you have no idea, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because I do recall, we sit in front of the boat, and we just, my hand can touch the food, water when we left, that's right. how, and so many people in the boat too, right? Yeah, it was really crowded, right? Crowded. And we have no idea, like, you know. Mm-hmm. That time you're teenager, you don't know, you just deciding you go. <laughs> yeah. So that that's how we land in Canada. And then we yeah, we land in Canada and ready and go high school and then we go, and after that they have to go UFC, right? In Red Deer they don't have you, right? Right. So that's why we I moved back here to go to UFC. Mm, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then and then what? Oh oh yeah, and then I go. Uh, Red Deer, right? We come here 
go to school here and then your dad is the one to go to you know mm-hmm. it's the job I think and then he he went to Toronto and then he convinced yeah. Uncle Sam to go there so that's why we moved to Toronto right yeah nice. yeah and then we worked work there it's really easy to get a job at that time in Toronto <laughs> not yeah. like it is right now yeah yeah oh it's <laughs> so easy but I do recall when I we first come to Toronto the, a week later me and Andy Jean already work already mm-hmm. in the manufacturing yeah, because we, we don't know anything until I think just about two, one or two months I already got a job to what I study right mm-hmm. yeah so I do a bookkeeping for the company mm-hmm. yeah we work there and then, and then we have you yeah and then I, I got a different better job Oh yeah. So I moved into Toronto, I, and well, I think a month later I got you know office job right because you, when you first come you don't even yeah. know stuff like that. And it doesn't like here those days. Over there, when you come in Canada at that time, there isn't more high tech right now, right? Right. Yeah. So, so later, mm-hmm. yeah. So later on, and then yeah, and then we work. We have a then I found a different job really easy at that time really good pay and stuff like that for, for they call I believe they call Roy Tex Vinyl mm-hmm. so I do a bookkeeping there you know payroll and everything like that cool yeah and then your dad decided to move back here and I stay in Toronto for a year mm-hmm. uh, no we stay there for six years and that is miss his parent miss so and he decided to move back mm-hmm. but I not ready yet right yeah. No, actually, he just decided to move back by himself. Mm. So a year later, yeah, yeah, mm. and then we moved back. So I know that um, through the whole journey of you mm-hmm. going from Vietnam to Hong Kong to here, that there are some really scary moments and some really lonely moments too. Yeah, like it wasn't always easy, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. not easy, like you know. But yeah, yeah, it's we here now. Mm-hmm. We're happy now, yeah, but no, it's not, it's not easy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, you know, you first came to Canada, you got so many obstacles, but you come from poor country mm-hmm. to the, you know, peaceful country. You don't feel that way. You feel really happy, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. The only thing is, I, if I knew what I did right now, I, I definitely will do better education, right? But you don't, you, <laughs> you, you, don't, don't you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't know that, right? Like, you just... Oh, here, here, right. I do recall me and my, my one of my fan. we still hang out now, right, this day, like, could we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. we're still good fan. Like, we're still good on this day. Yeah. Remember when we were in high school, we said, oh, even if we got a job, $10, we were quick in school, <laughs> right? Like, you know, yeah, and yeah, now, if we got a job, right? right. But, like, $10 at back then, it's really a lot of money. Right. And then suddenly we got a job. Like after we went school, I w- school and I get a job for forty dollars. It's like oh amazing. my god! Yeah, I already got it because I'm an accountant. Right. I do bookkeeping. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and now you're happy. But if I knew that I yeah. can become whatever I can, because right. you know I do very well in school, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At that time, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't see like what you see now, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're already satisfied with your life at that time already, right? But if I knew, you know, 
Mm-hmm. That that's only one thing, yeah. Because but other than that, I'm happy. When we come back, how does the migration journey in the '70s relate to ones happening today? But for now, a word from our sponsor. Otherwise, is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network family, where you can find tons of Alberta-made content, like the Let's Find Out podcast about Edmonton history, hosted by Chris Chanian Phillips, Edmonton's previous historian laureate. Each episode, Chris takes curious questions from Edmontonians, and they find out the answer together. Chris also does live podcast recordings. Earlier this month, Let's Find Out had a live taping at the Almanac on White Avenue, exploring how humans and nature interact to shape our city. To hear this episode and all others, go to letsfindoutpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcast. By the way, having been to previous live recordings of Let's Find Out, I have to say it's a really fun time. So stay tuned for future ones. So. With the Syrian refugee crisis, you know,、mm-hmm. in the news and stuff,、mm-hmm. there's so many refugees coming into Canada today.、Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit. There tends to be this feeling that it's a lot harder to settle into Canada now、mm-hmm. than it was back then, like in the '70s and the '80s when we first came. Well, I think I th- the reason I think is because when we came. All the refugee, we got nothing, right?、Mm-hmm. But now, when they come,、mm-hmm. the people they come now,、mm-hmm. they see what we have, right? Like, like most people, like like my group, right? I think they really success. Like to hang out the group I have、mm-hmm. for thirty years,、mm-hmm. everybody's you know it's house business, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they really success, but right,、mm-hmm. but. But now people come; they see what we have, so they, it's hard on them, right?、Mm-hmm. But they don't mean like what we had before.、Mm-hmm. I think our generation is different. Like、mm-hmm. I think we're really satisfied from because Vietnam is really poor country at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And and and、uh, you know they come and they they work hard. Right. Like I know all my friend, the, the group I hang out. Yeah, everybody work really hard.、Right. They don't just. Not working,、mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Would you have any advice for these other groups? Because you've gone through that journey. You've, you've come here、mm-hmm. um, to escape being persecuted and discriminated against、mm-hmm. back home,、mm-hmm. um, and then you came here with nothing. And then、mm-hmm. looking back on the thirty years, like, what would you say? What do you think they should keep in mind? My opinion is, doesn't matter what what country you came from. You have to adapt to. The country where you live,、mm-hmm. right? Like, and then to me, especially education is good.、Mm-hmm. It's always it. No excuse. You know, people come here; they always excuse, oh, because I don't look, know the language.、Mm-hmm. But to me, it's not. You have to learn it,、mm-hmm. right? Like,、yeah. it doesn't matter what where you come from,、mm-hmm. right?、Yeah. That's how I see it. Like, you know, you all have to learn education yourself.、Right. Nobody can help you.、Right? Mm-hmm. You know. If you want what, if you want to be success, you have to learn and you have to、mm. to do it,、yes. right? Yeah, and nobody help you with that, especially education,、mm. right? So we learn. I do remember we, when I first came, you don't know the language, right? And then you sit in the group, and 
And I don't know, I was like, you don't know, and I, I'm, somehow we pass high school and we go to university, right? right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I do remember when I take engineering physics, right? Mm -hmm. My language not that great, but I still able to do it. Like I took all the math class in, in Canada, right? Like I got all the stat math, right? Mm -hmm. Like statistics, I took them all. Right, right. Yeah, and I do very well, and I, I don't... Mm -hmm. Like me now, with the language I know now, to yeah. compare what I knew before, yeah. I think it would do way better, right? But right. yeah, but I did it. And so one thing I also want to add to Karen, um, is that there's one point in the interview with my mom where I ask her what her advice would be to newcomer families. And she says something along the lines of, oh, it doesn't matter what kind of struggles you have here. You have to adapt and you have to work hard. I mean, I think that illustrates some really interesting tension between newcomers who've arrived um, recently compared to newcomers who've arrived, you know, 40 years ago. And, and you see this a lot too with um, many of the multicultural organizations where that understanding or um, or that lack of understanding or that attitude is there. Um, and so one of the things my mom says too that I think is very illustrative of the differences is that she says when she arrived here in Canada, the first thing she did was she got a job, you know, making croutons or something. And dad worked at an automotive industry. But that is not really the case of what kind of experiences newcomers are having now here. Um, they want to work. They want to work hard because they know they they're aware that you have to earn a livelihood here, right? But that there's supposed to be more opportunity. But people aren't really accessing those kinds of opportunities, you know, like um, the availability of entry level jobs, especially for people whose English is not their first language, like those jobs are not as available or as easy to come by nowadays. And so people can arrive here and look for work for, year, for a year, two years, and still not find gainful employment. And there are statistics now from Statistics Canada um, that illustrate that migrant families are more likely to be in poverty and to be in poverty for longer as compared to back then. And so there's not... Um, that understanding is not always there and that kind of awareness is not always there for um, you know people like us who arrived here 40 years ago so I just think that's a really interesting point that she brings up too right well not perhaps not directly but um, implicitly through her comment in talking to them what was one of the most surprising thing you learned um I think that for me it was how rooted in history we are. Um, because, because you hear about boat people and you hear about, you know, those terms like, oh, you're so fresh off the boat and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And you Is that where the reference came from? Yeah, that is where that huh. reference comes okay. from, right? Um, and, um, and you hear about, you know, we, we went to high school and when I was in high school, I did not think at all about how that really impacted us, right? Because, for, like, it seemed like it was like a thousand years ago, but it wasn't until I started writing this that I was like, oh, no, that was us. And if it wasn't for 
the communist regime coming to um, growing in Vietnam and before the onset of the war, we would have never come here, right. right? And it was like, and it just seems like it was so long ago, but no, it was like we are direct products of that history. Yeah. So that for me, that was. And do you? I, this just occurred to me, but do you see any parallel between your family's experience as boat people coming on a boat with mm -hmm. some of what's happening currently, mm -hmm. with our current day refugee population coming, let's say, on a boat? Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I think that just the stories now of like um, of people dying, people spending their life savings to for passage here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that it really, really resonates. And some of it can be really shocking, too, because um, it seems like nowadays it's even harder, right? Because there's less jobs or less economic opportunities. Um, and unfortunately, I feel like the um, new the us former boat people are not always as compassionate or understanding as we could be mm. about the new people coming. The new boat people? The yeah. new boat people who are arriving in a very similar way. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know, it's been almost 20, almost 30 years, right? And so I feel like a lot of that has understanding has kind of been lost right. as we've settled here. And, a and lot you're talking about some of the, even the anti-refugee, anti-immigration yeah. sentiment among immigrant populations themselves. Exactly, exactly, yeah. right? It's it's a lot more common than we thought, and certainly more common among some of my family members mm -hmm. than I thought it would be. And you had said that you realized that that part of your family history really wasn't that long ago, and to think that, you know, this trend is still happening mm -hmm. now. It's, it's, it's the history, you know, we're, we're in it right exactly, now. Exactly, right? Like, we're very much in it still. I really hope that this blog sheds some light for our young ones about our identity and the work that went into forming our family's foundation. To others unrelated, I hope that you read this and go, we've shared that experience too. Or, ah, they have this idea like, oh, so that's what it's like. But mostly this is a blog of what propelled a family along with thousands of other families to cross an unfriendly ocean to a sometimes equally unfriendly home. This is about the boats that brought us here and who we became after we arrived. Thank you for listening. This episode is produced by myself. Has Mega made our theme music. Special thanks to Sandra Ngo and her mother Lan Tuan for sharing their stories. Learn more about Sandra's blog at boatsthatbroughtushere.wordpress.com where you can also check out photos and recipes like the fish has stew. For more information about our podcast, visit otherwiseshow.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at otherwise underscore show to stay in touch. We want to thank our partners, Ribbon Rouge, Confident Camel, Breath and Poetry, and Generation Shift. Our show is generously supported by the Edmonton Heritage Council. If you like our show, please share a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rating is a surefire way to get us heard. Otherwise, as a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Check out albertapodcastnetwork.com for a bunch of other Alberta-made podcasts. Keep in mind, how we share stories is as important as who shares them. Thanks, and see you next time.